we have those choices every day. When I sit at my kitchen table and I want to go and fill up my water glass, like how I choose to get there. Do I crawl there? Do I dance my way to the kitchen sink? Do I hop? Oh, you know, like there's, there's all that. And that's what we're doing most of the time. So why not tune into it? Why not become more present in it? Why not find enjoyment in it? Why not find expression? In it? Why not find potential to expand our perspective on how we move in the seemingly like most mundane of activities as taking a walk from your kitchen table to your kitchen sink? Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. As a former dancer, personal trainer, and much more, I've been able to experience a wide breadth of transformation and revelation using the medium of movement. It is my passion to share its capacity and its depth in as many ways as possible, which is why I have created this podcast for you. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals across many fields and backgrounds to gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to find your unique relationship to movement, allowing it to be a journey of self-exploration, authentic curiosity, and connecting to yourself. I hope hearing these guests speak about their movement relationship and experiences will help empower you to begin to explore movement in your own way, in your own life. Hello, everyone. For today's episode, I brought on Nick Kono as our guest. Nick is a movement teacher and coach. He comes from a wide, diverse variety of backgrounds, including theater, as well as a lot of different applications of movement methodologies and practices. I actually connected with him through Functional Range Conditioning, FRC. And we discussed a lot of really exciting topics, especially topics that are really personal and um, inspiring for me. Perhaps one of the most striking components of our conversation was the need for creativity 
not just in our lives, but in our movement practices. We also talked about the importance of getting rid of boundaries and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and learning how to encourage joy, comfort, and expression in not knowing all the answers and how that translates into movement and, and also to our lives. And then probably one of the defining points of this conversation was the connection between expression and awareness and how movement provides such a fascinating portal and such a fascinating medium to be able to anchor and integrate the two. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And go ahead and sit back, relax, and tune in and enjoy. My name is Nick Kono. Hi, everybody. Hi. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I teach movement. I still say that because I do. What that means for the person uh, I'm working with or the person who may be asking it. In this instance, it's kind of harder because I'm speaking to a broader audience. Uh, but generally, I, I, I'll ask the, the individual who's asking me what they think it means to them. You know, because oftentimes when I say I teach movement, I think I get that a lot in Los Angeles. Um, when I say I teach movement, people think of it more performatively when they hear it, when they hear me say it coming from, they're like, oh, so does that mean like, you know, you teach dance or something? And I'm like, does it mean that to you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm trying to, again, broaden people's perspectives of, of what movement can mean to them. And so if I were to pitch myself as somebody and say, yeah, I teach movement and, you know, it's this, 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 then, you know, that gives people a very comfortable, very specific answer. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's what we need right now. I think we need uh, more disruption and confusion <laughs> around the term uh, to honestly heighten the stakes a bit about uh, how we talk about it. Because hmm. right now, I think I think a few years ago, we got in a really exciting space with movement and people were seeing a lot of different potential in areas that were maybe previously explored a bit, but then kind of abandoned or maybe not explored deeply enough. And so science has become a bigger thing. Uh, mobility work specifically with addressing the FRC work has become a bigger thing. But again, all of it has been, again, centering around providing people with more tools and more answers. Um, I know that's not everybody's objective with it, but it's, but it's, uh, I think in the larger uh, trend of it, it's gone that way. Mm. And to me, that's been kind of disappointing um, because I think then you have a lot of people seeking those answers. Um, and if they're working with the right teacher, that right teacher, I think will then encourage them to continue seeking and continue to find, maybe find answers with that, but then ask more questions in other areas. Um, and I think, uh, a lot of what, what most people are after is those answers because they're afraid of the not knowing. Um, but what I want to encourage to my students is, you know, to, to find a real comfort and joy and expression uh, in, in not knowing those answers 
and not knowing where their pain is necessarily coming from, but being excited about learning where it might be coming from, or not really knowing what particular type of movement practice uh, calls to you or, or speaks to you or excites you in some way. Cause some people can't answer those questions, yeah. you know, a lot of people, in fact, I think most people can't answer those questions, you know, That's and we, I think we assume as, as, as movers for lack of a better like term that, that we, that there's an assumption that, that people have real interests, um, in movement as well, you know, that might be tied to some sport or some, some dance background or some, and I think most people do not. Yeah. And so they, they look to us to reflect what those answers can be. Mm. And so if I see somebody look to me, I want them to see in me all the possibilities of what it can be and not the like, Oh, here's some new perspective. That's unique. You know, I don't want to be a unique perspective. I just want to be a representation of what movement can mean in all areas. And so that's why I just gave you a really long winded, super <laughs> unclear uh, explanation about what I do and who I am because I, I honestly, I, I almost like kind of like stubbornly refuse these days uh, <laughs> I mean, <and> <laughs> to, give, to give a clearer uh, de- uh, explanation than that because I don't know. It's not, it's not where I am right now. Maybe, I, maybe I'll be in that space in another six months, but right now I'm not there. I think that that's um, an accurate representation of what your work embodies. You're trying to erase all those boundaries that define what's this versus that versus that. Um, and so then to even define what you do becomes tricky. It, it's just this interconnected matrix of stuff. But you help meet people with where they're at, and, and then you start to open up the potential and see potential. where they want to go with it, right? Right. And that's the thing is I'm always just at, you know, it's like, when people come to me, it's, it's always just, I just have more questions for them. You know, I don't even want to answer their questions. Uh, and so, you know, you come to me, you know, okay, well, why did you seek me out? You know, what is it, what is it about me? And for, you know, I think for our, for a number of my students that have come to me in the recent, in the past year, it's been a lot about like just words I've written in, in newsletters. Um, which is interesting because then they came to me by way of like, by actually not movement by like the written word <laughs> and reading and, uh, and then emailing back and forth. And then even in our work together, like it's actually not technically movement based because we're speaking on the phone or we're emailing back and forth or sending videos. So there's a lot of like, you know, technology built into it, but that's, um, that's also removed. Like even in this conversation right now, you know, like we're having a very intimate conversation because I know you and, you know, we've spoken together before, but it's still removed. You know, and at least we've, we've, we've met. So we have that, you know, I know, you know, what you look like, what you look like this in person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. That's a great compliment. You should, you know, that that's because a lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I'm interested in, in, in what the, what, what people are after and, and where they feel, uh, well, honestly, where people feel the disconnect. You know, because mm. I, I notice, um, you know, I think this is a good thing for most teachers to just like be aware of not only, like, I think when a lot of teachers get confused about like, what, is, what do I do? What kind, how can I uh, um, express the importance of my offerings to a, to a broader audience or to an audience at all? And oftentimes it's just, you know, you have to just listen to the people who are coming to you. 
you know, why are they seeking you? Because the the people like it, they're all after different things, but they, they seek my services or my perspective for a very specific reason. And usually it's, it's a lot of people who feel isolated from, from what they see out there. They just don't identify with whatever that is. Um, they feel a disconnect. They feel uh, many of them are unhappy, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly, or maybe not even aware of it. Uh, many of them have interpersonal issues with, um, with just people in their lives or even just strangers, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's a, that's an ever more present condition of, of these times we live because most of my interactions daily, and I think most people's interactions daily are, are like this one. Yeah. Um, and that's, um, you know, I mean, I think that's a big part of why we, we experience such a movement drought because mm-hmm. a big part of our movement is, is, yeah, is our, is our interpersonal connections, our, our ability to, to touch others and to be touched by them. And we don't do that anymore, yeah, you know, unless we're, lu- unless we're lucky enough to, you know, have a wife or husband or partner and, you know, and, and have that. But even still, you know, we need, we need more of that. Um, that's how we know ourselves. Yeah. And movement traditionally, like, and this is especially like why I always am confused and people are so either drawn to or resistant for dance. It's always very polarizing because when you look at like old civilizations, like people move together. And in fact, like that's like a really fascinating thing about a lot of tribal cultures, especially like a Mm -hmm. lot of areas in Africa where that is still very much alive. Like you grow up eating, going to the bathroom, sleeping, wandering around and moving and dancing, right? Like it is a community based thing. You live it, you breathe it. It's just like part of your day to day. It's, it's just as important as getting the water or the food or the sleep. And, um, I agree. I think there's a real disconnect that happens where, where we try and structure out movement in these weird little chunks. And then we struggle to, actually like find that cohesive community around it like 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 bodies in space and it's great Mm -hmm. to be your body in space that can be like a really sacred sort of practice but there's so much value in have and being able to interact with multiple bodies in space yeah and that definitely is a lot harder to come by nowadays it is harder to come by and it's harder to come by in a way that is not uh like terribly off-putting to yeah. those of us who are maybe more, you know, at first uncomfortable in, in crowds or in communities that are unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of these communities, these, these like moving communities or, you know, um, um, yeah, moving communities, I'm sure that's a good word. Um, the, you know, they begin to, I think the guys at first is, is possibly to, you know, set out to, to establish a real sense of community. But what it does is it, you know, it, it creates this, this small closed up group that is, is really setting out to set itself apart, um, from, you know, the other mm. and yeah, they'll, they'll add to their ranks, but there's no going outside of that. You know, it's like, you know, this is your community, you know, we can't have these, uh, you know, communities that we can maybe, you know, enter into and feel welcome and then leave, 
and then feel welcome when we come back, whenever we choose to come back. Uh, Yeah. Those types of communities, you know, the real ones where there's, um, you know, there's a real sense of, uh, of, of love and support, whether you're there or not. That's, that's rare. I mean, that, 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 I mean, those don't really, they don't exist much. They do. Yeah. They're harder to come by. Yeah. I've seen them in 12 step communities. That's, mm. that's about the extent of you know, maybe some churches, you know, yeah. possibly. I think in the spiritual realm, there's like there, there's more potential for that. But, but I think the, I think the, a, a lot of the communities that have been set up in, in, in that, in this like, you know, moving world has, has been, uh, I, I think it's a, just kind of a cheap representation of what a community can be and, and what a community like, what its potential is mm. really. I'm curious, are you at all seeking to find a way to create not the cheap representation of community, but like the real deal? Or is that not a place where you're at right now? It's not a place where I am right now. Possibly. It's, it's a hard thing to answer because I think it's really, I mean, I think that's probably why these folks have run into this. I think it's a hard thing to, to, to set out to make a community, whatever the community is, whatever the community stands by, um, and, and get this sense of support and commitment and consistency you need from the members of the community, uh, without being a little bit, you know, closed off. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a merit to, you know, closing oneself off inside of a community to not only keep yourself like safe and supported for a while, but to keep the community really like building in inside of itself so it, that it can grow maybe. Um, and, and yet by doing that, you also fall, fall prey to what it could, you know, what it could, turn into, which is, I think, what a lot of them turn into, where they're just like this, these rather insular communities that, you know, there's no moving outside of them. And, and if you do move outside and, and seek solace or knowledge or <laughs> report, experience anything elsewhere that you're led to feel, um, you know, not supported mm-hmm. by that community that, that you maybe once felt supported by, mm-hmm. you know? Or is maybe somebody new who's trying to get into a community like that because that community has grown in such a tight-knit, supportive way, it's actually closed them off a bit from being able to look outward toward, you know, new, um, toward new people, new, new energy, mm-hmm. um, new experience for, uh, um, like, new perspectives, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's maybe not the case. I don't know. I mean, it's also like it, part of it is also who I am as an individual. I've always like been a bit more of a, you know, like as part of my story, I, I you know, I was more of an outcast. It, I never had large groups of friends. I still don't uh, to this day. And so let's get into that a little bit. What uh-huh. is your movement yeah. journey or what is your story with movement? I didn't do a lot of sports as a kid. And I always thought it was because I was, um, not very capable. Mm-hmm. And I think I've realized more as an adult, the more I've uh, uh, grown in my capability and in my confidence and my self-worth, self-love and all that mumbo jumbo that I, you know, I actually, 
adapt fairly well in a, in a movement setting. Not in all areas, we all have our weaknesses, but for the most part, I'm, I'm fairly capable. And I think I was as a kid too, but I just think the pressure was so much. Um, and also, my, I didn't really enjoy team sports, just mm. didn't appeal to me. And so rather than trying to get good at it or get, I'd just be like, nah, fuck it. You know, I'd fight it. Um, and so I only did, you know, I'd have to do like one sport every season because my parents kind of insisted upon it up to a certain age. Mm -hmm. So I'd always like try on something like karate or, you know, a little bit, or I think I did basketball when I was in elementary school, you know, just things that you just try out because your parents make you do them or Mm -hmm. my parents did. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't have anything I was interested in otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, like I just was not, I was not, I was a kid who was just, I think very afraid and very insecure and hypersensitive and just, and all of that just froze me up and made me feel like I just want to sit in my room and play solitaire. <laughs> and so I, I did, I did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, played a lot of solitaire in my room. Um, uh, there was the the escape of summertime. Um, I had a my family had a cottage that was shared between my 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 uh, my mom's side of the family and 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 us. And so I had a lot of uh, cousins who I played with, and we did like water skiing and things like that. So that was like I think my most active exposure growing up. Mm-hmm. Just the summer escape of going water skiing and swimming and things like that. Uh, no sort of traditional background other than that. And then I think it was about like toward the beginning of high school, I started to, um, well, not certainly before then, um, like junior high, um, that I started to like put more focus on developing, you know, what is seen Yeah. because, because women, Girl. uh, <laughs> girls. Yeah. Um, and so that was my first like, you know, foyer into like, you know, personal self-development and fitness. And so, you know, I would just do, you know, all the, you know, push-ups and crunches and th- whatever I had to take care of to make this look right. Mm. Um, and then I fell in love toward the end of high school with a woman who was into theater. Mm. And so she was in like the, she was in the musical that a, a mutual friend of mine was in at the time. And so I worked backstage to help build sets and things like that. And was a little bit curious, but still really afraid and really shy. Mm. Uh, but, but through a little prodding, she convinced me into trying out for a play. and I really enjoyed it. And so I tried out for more and I got really excited. And so um, I applied for different schools and got a scholarship to a school and went there for theater and was exposed to uh, postmodern dance mm. and um, and its influence on theater and the potential it offered up to actors to move in ways that were like just entirely unique mm. to my concept of like how an actor is supposed to move on stage. Interesting. Um, and so, and things as simple as just, you know, taking a look at the things we take for granted uh, when we're actors on stage. And I'll use this as an actors on stage metaphor, but it applies to all of us. You know, it's like when you're an actor on stage, you know, and you get most of, of um, you know, the blocking or the movement that you're going to get from a director 
if a director is the kind of director who gives blocking and movement notes and all that, he's got, you know, okay, move from the sofa to that table over there, grab the glass and bring it over to the table, right? So, you know, that's the blocking. Yeah. But there's all that space in between on how you fill up that blocking. Mm-hmm. And most actors would just accept that. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm just going to pick this up. And they're not going to think about their walk to the table to pick up the glass, to possibly drink from it, and then bring it over to the kitchen sink. They're not going to think about that in the play. Because mm-hmm. um, they're too busy thinking about how their, their words are coming across, yeah. right? How the scene's playing out. How natural do I look? Yeah. Um, when really theater is not about that. <laughs> it's, it's a heightened experience of living. It's a heightened experience of, of how, of storytelling, how mm. we share. And so, so I saw this new potential for like, wow, you know, I have this power as an actor. I can, I can not only just like, uh, become more, more aware of my presence on stage, but I can also have more command over it mm. by, by filling up this space that has, that hasn't been defined. That is that that's my job now. Mm. Uh, and then I just took that, um, you know, and just expanded the metaphor beyond the stage and into the real world, mm. you know, that we have those choices every day. When I sit at my kitchen table and I want to go and fill up my water glass, like how I choose to, uh, to get there. Yeah. Do I, do I crawl there? Do I dance my way to the kitchen sink? Do I, Hop, oh, you know, like there's, there's all that. And it seems, um, possibly irrelevant and unimportant. But to me, that's like, that's what we're doing most of the time. Mm. So, so why not tune into it? You know, why not, uh, become more present in it? Why not find enjoyment in it? Why not find expression? Why not find potential to, uh, um, you know, pr- expand our perspective on on how we move in the seemingly like most mundane of activities, as you know, taking a walk from your kitchen table to your kitchen sink. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, as opposed to just being in the automated program of pick up a glass and drink from it, or like walk into the living room. What if you actually put a little intention into it and like did yeah. something with it? Like there's so many opportunities for expanding your movement potential and for creating and for informing your body and your system of all this new information. But we're just, it's, we're like fishes swimming in water asking for a drink, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. always there. And then everyone's like, meanwhile, like so thirsty and parched. And it's just like, it's all around. You just have to like, open up to it yeah and it really is just it's just opening up to it again that's a i don't know i mean i think it's a hard thing to encourage in people for i mean who knows why do you think people are i mean that's the good question i want to ask you that like why do you think uh why do you think there's a resistance around tuning into such uh, I don't. I don't think we're encouraged to do it as kids. Like, think about mm-hmm. this. Like, you watch your kids grow up. Like, as a child, you are already so tuned into all those elements. But the way our social structure has been developed over the last centuries, and it, for a while, it was like necessary, like for survival, right? Right. Um, right. But at a certain point, when society became more civilized and evolved, we actually started to remove that 
that intuitive, uh, creative, playful nature, right? That, that, that desire to interact. And I remember as a child, um, in a lot of scenarios, sort of getting reprimanded or punished for that. Uh, and it, it wasn't <laughs> done from like a place of, you know, malice or bad intent. It was, it was simply because like, it's not, it's not what kids were supposed to do. And so trying to reclaim that in my adulthood well, it was kind of like my lifelong journey really it was like reclaiming that part of myself. And yeah. I think I became really insistent upon it in the last two years or so. So from my vantage point, I think it's mostly, you know, like all the structures of society, like how we bring kids up, like it, it, I, I see those years as so formative, right? Like, because that's when yeah. evolutionary brain is like, live or die. And so even though your life <laughs> may not be on the line, you know, two-year-old Nick is perceiving that one interaction as, oh, this is how this works, period. Right. And, and right. this happens yeah. for everybody. And so then if you weren't, didn't have the opportunity to start sort of like pushing the boundaries on the movement stuff and it wasn't safe, like, then you look around you, like you said, you look to all these different like teachers and coaches and systems, and they're all telling you it's more boundaries. So, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that would be my answer for that. That's yeah. a great question. I think that's a, it was a good question. Uh, thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer was even better than the question. Uh, truly. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah, I think that, that how we develop as children and or or how we're encouraged not to rather mm-hmm. <laughs> has a profound effect on uh yeah than how we develop or you know stunt ourselves as adults um yeah because now and and I'm with you there like I just I'm I these days I I just I won't allow myself to have small talk with people I can't do that mm. um <laughs> But I, I kind of, I pine for these days where, like, you know, when you see like dogs going up to one another when they meet one another and they just like sniff each other's asses and, yeah. and, and nuzzle one another and yeah. wrestle a little bit. Yeah. God damn it. I wish we did that. Yeah. You know, I wish that's how we met people. Um, I think it would tell us a hell of a lot more about um, people. I think it tells us a hell of a lot more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think we would uh, we would put up less um, uh, less b- barriers between ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be less fear of the other, mm-hmm. um, uh, less judgment, less harsh attitudes. Because uh, the thing is, is, we have all this dismissiveness with one another yeah. these days. It's so easy to dismiss things that we're uncomfortable with that we don't like because we're not really seeing those people. Mm-hmm. You know. So our interaction with them doesn't mean so much, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's like my wife runs into this when she, she works a corporate job and mm-hmm. she works with a company, uh, that's based in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of her interaction is, you know, all, you know, uh, emails and phone calls. And through those interactions, there's a lot of dismissiveness that goes on, on, on her end and on there because people aren't actually meeting. Mm-hmm. And then every time everybody gets in person, like everybody experiences one another on a human level on a real like we're in person human level and so people are more open Mm. more vulnerable more kind more willing to participate more willing to uh um to negotiate you know to to not win because you're dealing with a real person 
Yeah. You know, you're not just dealing with somebody else on the phone who's like, oh, I'll probably never meet this person or I'm not going to meet him for a while. So fuck him anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's funny because and, like, yeah. one of the big, like ugly monsters of social media uh, and the internet has been like bullying through social media. And mm-hmm. they often describe that the reason it's so much more prevalent is because people are protected. They don't yeah. have to actually see the person they're hurting. They can just say something really awful let it out and totally disassociate from it. And, you know, that's a really interesting point you make there because it, there's this illusion with social media, right? It's like, Oh, so connected information (laughs) possible which is so true. But then there's these other factors you simultaneously have to be able to navigate. And and those are the tricky ones to like, learn and figure out how to manage so that those aren't influencing your experience on there in a negative way. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a little rabbit hole you went down. Um, it was an amazing rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh, I love I'm glad, that. I'm glad you're, uh, you're driving this car because I don't know where the fuck we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the rabbit holes. They're great. Um, yeah, go ahead. I would actually love for you to, um, and we talked about this a little before we actually started the interview, but what does movement mean to you? Okay. Um, what does it mean to me? It means everything to me. Right. Um, no, but truly, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's the beginning for all that we do. Um, it's, um, it's just where we, where we begin. It's, it's our, it's our roots. It's where we start. Um, if we haven't, um, regardless of whatever the problem we're encountering or whoever we have in front of us, whoever we're speaking to, uh, whoever we're sharing a moment with, the first questions we always need to ask ourselves is, uh, they're all questions pertaining to our movement. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether we're, we're doing it or not, um, whether we're, um, you know, you know, purposefully, uh, intentionally expressing with it or not, uh, all things start with that. Mm. Uh, and then from there, I think once we accept that, um, that truth, cause I really believe that is a truth, mm-hmm. um, then, um, then we can tap into awareness. Mm. Um, and, um, our awareness is just our, our, our willingness to, to be present and to be, to be, uh, patient inside of that, that presence, um, to a lot that, that whatever time it needs to, to sit with or move with that willingness. And then that, that, that awareness and that willingness, uh, translates then into expression. Again, expression that can be, uh, transparent about what it is or can just be this thing that's just uh kind of resting on top of our movement you know it's always there but we're not even necessarily sure we're communicating that Mm -hmm. Uh, you you spoke a bit about that in the beginning when you were you said like how expression can pertain to you know the kind of expression we we hold on our face yeah where you know i think many folks these days and i think this is a really good like example of how we lose our our sense of um, uh, our sense of awareness yes. in that we, uh, or our sense of expression inside of awareness 
in that we, um, shit, I'm losing my thought here and I don't know why. In that, like, when you think of, because I, I know I have this in myself, oftentimes I, I'm, I'm not always clear in how I come across to people. Yeah. Because I'm expressing myself, you probably know, possibly in my face, and giving looks that may confuse people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, you know, and it's because I hadn't really thought out that expression, right? I hadn't really thought out what I'm trying to communicate with my expression. Because yeah. we get hung up on words, you know, and I think that's, that's another reason why um, we lose our sense of awareness inside of our expression and our body because we're always so hung up on like, like how our words are coming across that our bodies just kind of fall apart. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, after the awareness, I mean, first after we accept that that movement is where everything begins, and then after we accept the, the patience to be able to sit with and become aware of that movement, and then after we translate that into a real and pure, just genuine expression, mm. Uh, then we can carry that expression into creating with our movement. And again, creating is like, you know, again, creating doesn't have to mean what it means to me. Um, and creating doesn't even mean just one thing. Creating can mean like, you know, carving out a block, like literally carving out a block or, you know, building a chair or uh, creating a dance on stage, yeah. you know, or creating a little movement phrase for uh, for yourself inside of your living room. You know, it doesn't have to be performative necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but the but the element of creation is important. Um, and seldom tapped into. Yeah. Yeah. You and I we were talking about this earlier. Um, and I think these are really important elements we want the audience to hear. Um, that that create that ability to create, I think it's such an essential human component. And, mm-hmm. and when we mitigate creativity to the arts, right, that that is, like, so diminishing. And I remember as a kid mm-hmm. being so confused that the only creative, the only time creativity was talked about was in, like, painting classes or in your art class, right? But, like, why yeah. wasn't it talked about in writing or even in history or, like, like math? Yeah. Like, every, like human life is inherently creative and in order Mm -hmm. to do well, in order to thrive, in order to really embody the elements that make you, you and feed you and nourish you, you are tapping into that creativity. And it's so fascinating to me that in movement and exercise and fitness, this is like totally non-existent and it's incredibly frustrating to me because to me that, that creativity was so essential. And I was one of those crazy people I was like the only dancer I knew who at 12 years old, all I wanted to do was improv because I could create with my body. Everyone else hated it. They were terrified of it. But to me, it was just so fucking magical. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, there was nothing like it. I think it was the only time I really felt alive. It was the only time I really felt connected to myself and like who I was as a person was really honored and existed. Yeah. And, um, and maybe that's kind of like, you know, people talk about what their like, you know, superpower is. Maybe that was mine, like honing in on that in such an early age and then making it so much of my work to help people experience that. Right. And tap yeah. into that layer of themselves. But creativity, I think that is such a beautiful model you built out from the movement as, um, 
the beginning, building into awareness, yeah. building into expression, and then going into creativity, which is really the ultimate goal. Yeah. And ultimate. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, it absolutely has to be. And the thing is, is I think people are think they're they're using their creativity now. But the thing is, is it how they're seeking with the creativity, that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know? And if your intention with your creativity is to uh, have proof at the end of it or have an answer to provide people with at the end of it, to provide yourself with, or to have some tangible thing that you have to be able to show and hand over to people and say, this is this, mm. then I think you're, you're missing out on the potential of what your creativity and what your, your, again, like what, what the, what your creation can be for you. Like you, you spoke to that about the why you connected so so heavily with with improvisation, um, and that and to me like that improvisation that's the essence of it because improv in, in inside of improvisation we're we're problem solving, right? We're we're performing this task, the simple task, and we're as it becomes more complex, we're just having to solve more and more problems. But it's with this also this acceptance that like. I'm not going anywhere with this, you know, I'm not like creating this improv right now so I can have an answer. Again. No, it's just the experience of, it. it's just the experience of creating. Yeah. And it's only about that. And if it needs to be about more than that, then I honestly, I, I, there's something there that's lost, but, but, and that's what, you know, gets me so kind of riled up these days because you know, I think people are just like too, uh, you know, I get it. Like people are afraid. So they want answers and they need something tangible. And we have less and less time because we're spending so much more time inside of these spaces. Mm. And so our head feels really busy and full. Yeah. And so we don't have time to bother with, with like, you know, discovery and all these things that seem like just fluffy bullshit. Uh you know, principles that are actually like, it's the essence of everything. You know, we should be discovering daily, in my opinion. I mean, that was my experience. (laughs) Like when I allowed myself that time to like have a movement Mm -hmm. practice and not just do movements, which is really really Uh recently for me, it was like, it's, it's totally transformed my life to be like, Oh my, like this thing of discovery. Oh, this is so good. Like I needed this for so many reasons. I didn't even know it, it, yeah. it fixes, it fixes the problems I didn't know I had or like, or not yeah. maybe fixes. That might be a wrong word, but like it calls to parts of myself that were crying out that I was suppressing. I think that's, that's just such a important element. And it's interesting that you see people seeing it as foofy. I guess I don't hear a lot of discussion about it. And so from my perspective, I just want people to know, hey, this is here. We may yeah. have sort of left it by the wayside, but it's time to bring it back. Yeah, because it's a, it's a depth of inquiry mm-hmm. that we wouldn't otherwise be doing. And that, that depth of inquiry is going to, yeah, it's going to pull up to the surface all that other stuff we weren't looking at. Yeah. The, that, the, those deep internalized traumas or bodily traumas that we've been experiencing. Um, you know, there's a lot of like dark stuff underneath, but there's also a lot of joy and expression and, and potential that was just laying dormant 
for a lot, you know, again, like this work I'm doing with one of my students right now, who's, who's working on, she's now working on developing her own solo piece. And again, this is, you know, this is a, a woman who's, who's not a performer, but like, this has become like our primary, uh, practice for her right now. The development of this, this, um, I don't even want to call it a show, but this, you know, this, this performance to, to share with people because mm. that's what it's bringing about in her. And that's what, and she's, she didn't see that potential before. Wow. Uh, and that, that potential is there for anybody, you know, because it's again, like whether we want to or not, we all have a moving practice. You know, we all do. That's it's so like true. every single one of us. Like, so my moving practice is this and yours is like, Oh, so your moving practice is, you know, three days a week at the gym. Okay. You know, like someone could say, well, that's not my moving practice for me going to the gym. No, that's your fucking moving practice, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, like, how is that working for you? Uh, because our moving practice should be doing more for us than just, you know, giving us just, you know, personal physical development. You know, like, what is that? You know, talk mm-hmm. about like a waste of time. To me, that is a waste of time. You yeah. know, I'll discover all fucking day long. But like personal, physical development, so, you know, like got to develop my attributes. Like that's just so boring and so just missing the point of, of why we look to our bodies. You know, I think there's, there is that we all are looking to our bodies for a reason. And then I think for, for, for a lot of people, I, they, they think the reason has something to do with it, their bodies themselves. And it's not, it's something it's something more experiential. It's yeah. something um, deeper inside of us. I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah. if you look at all the stuff around cognitive, phys- physiological, and even psychosomatic work, like uh-huh. body ends up being a vessel that's just like a memory bank of all your experiences. <laughs> so when yeah. something's yeah. kind of when something's going on with your body, I mean, yeah, it's your body, but it's also not. It, it's other things. It's it's yeah. something in your life that's calling for your attention and or or needs your needs you to start shifting things and looking closer at it. It's mm-hmm. much much more than just like oh my knee hurts. I have tight hips. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my uh, any any ailments that come up any anytime I'm sick, anytime I'm uh, my like my chronic back stuff starts to flare up. It's never just out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it's never from me just, well, I threw my back out because I lifted the, no, there's always something emotional or spiritual or, or something other away from my body, but, but deep inside there somewhere, um, that is, um, that I'm not paying attention to or that is being neglected or, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's never so simple as just like, well, that's not activated properly. And this, you know, all that, you know, I don't even want to have those conversations anymore because it's just, it's not interesting. To me. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, it, that's not, that's not entirely true, but it's kind of true. It's well, also just not my, it's not my, uh, it's not my perspective. So it's yeah. not, it's not something I can speak too much to. I was going to say, you know? this comes back to where your curiosity is. It's less in the, the like Newtonian mechanistic model and it's more in mm-hmm. something greater. Yeah. Cause also I'm not trying to, I guess I'm not trying to find those answers in that way, you know, exactly. and I'm okay with, I used to be really insecure about every room I entered into. 
<laughs> regardless of where I was. I was just always very insecure about it by many things. And one of the things I've always been really insecure about that I'm sure most people can relate to is just like not being the smartest person in the room, yeah. you know, or even like close to the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Or sometimes feeling like, Jesus, I'm the dumbest person in this room. <laughs> and just, and learning to accept that. And now, I don't know, maybe it's an age thing. As I get older, like, I don't care. You know, mm. like, I just like, oh, okay, I'm the dumbest person in this room. Okay, great. Just good to know where I stand. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't need to, to prove anything to anybody um, in that way anymore. And so I think it informs the kinds of conversations I'm, I'm willing to, to have and to get myself into. Because if I feel like I don't like, like have a valuable point of view, I'm just not going to share it. I'm not going to try to pretend otherwise, mm. you know? So, uh, Another question, what uh-huh. has been the greatest gift that movement has given to you? Uh, awareness. Simple. <laughs> that simple, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can't really, it, there's no expanding upon that any more than that. I, I think I think you get it, right? Well, yeah, I get and it. I hope. But I would, love, I would love for you, I mean, I mean like awareness in, oh, actually, I think that's perfect. We may not. Agree. No, it really, yeah, that, that's that the thing, that's what. In. there's a the thing is is by by expanding upon that i would be i honestly i think i feel i would be cheapening that answer i understand Uh, but if you do want me to expand i'll expand it this way and i was gonna actually write something about this recently and so i'll just share it here um i stole this from an old mentor of mine uh ann bogart Mm -hmm. theater director who's just a genius and um was responsible for for bringing the the viewpoints to the stage for the actor and for really ushering in the importance of viewpoints, which is this this like theatrical method for um, uh, just a practical way of breaking down time and space mm. to make time and space this like tangible thing that we could just kind of look at and feel and experience. Um, that's a really bad explanation of it. If people want to know more about viewpoints, just pick up the viewpoints book. It's called the viewpoints book, and it's a great book. Okay. Uh, but anything so, something that Anne Bogart used to say often when people would ask her like really difficult questions, you know, like this exercise really got me thinking about this and this and this. And, you know, and so I was wondering what, you know, and that was big, long question that was really seeking and really, you know, this person is clearly like going through it with, with really needing an answer in this moment with their, 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 this this new experience they were having and this confusion they were having and this not knowing. And Anne would look at the person and smile and say, exactly. And that's all she would say. Um, and there was their answer. Yeah. You know, like your answer is 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 inside of your your uh, your your question. It's it's in it's it's in the pursuit of your question. Mm. And it's that it's that pursuit that that excitement you have in finding an answer you know that's that's your answer not uh, just like you know please just help me give me peace of mind what is the answer here you know mm. that's that's never going to satisfy anybody nobody's ever going to learn from that place mm. i mean i can't think of a time where somebody like gave me an and just a like straight answer to a question and i was like ah oh, that's it you know I mean, the, the real discoveries I've had have come about from me having to answer that fucking thing I didn't want to answer for myself, but doing it anyway, right? Mm. Or at least trying to. 
Yeah, at least that, that pursuit is is um, you know is where our real like you know satisfaction and growth is, and so um, and so that's why it's very easy for me. Yeah, you know, when somebody asks me, you know, maybe a question that could involve very specific, very detailed answer, I could just give something as simple as as awareness, because that that's my way of saying exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, so Thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up here. So okay. we went down a lot of um, really fascinating rabbit holes and the t- in the world of movement and all the things that it connects to. But uh, if you had to leave our listeners with any final thoughts, any last words of wisdom, what would those be? Um, we all have potential for so much more than we think. We're so much more powerful than we think we are. That's I mean, that's perfect. And I think that's, that's the thing that gets me every day. Yeah. You know, I find I'm, I'm still learning like more and more layers of it. And it's the, the only way to describe, it, I guess is awesome in the true sense of the word. When you start to really peel back how much potential there really is. Yeah. And not just like, you know, cause that's also, that can be limiting for somebody who, who maybe hears that and goes, oh, great, I have potential, but what do I, where do I start? And also, I think starting separate from the first thought I had, like that we have so much more potential than we think we do, but that we're, um, I actually had a, a guy I worked with previously say this to a friend of his about me. Mm-hmm. He said, um, and it was really revealing for me to hear this, because even as somebody who's been doing this for many, many, many years, I didn't realize how I was coming across to him. And that guy said, um, I forget exactly what it was, but this is a, a rough paraphrase. Like he's so much better than he knows, you know, something like that. Right. Or some, like he's, he's, he's so much better than he thinks he is or, or something like that. I mean, but something yeah. about like that we don't aware, we're not aware of because again, we don't choose to tune into our awareness uh, of what we already have. Yeah. That it's not even about like learning to develop more and gain more tools and find more answers and find things that are going to service, you know, more, 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 but just looking to probably for the first time for most of us ourselves and realizing, oh shit, I have this, yeah. this is great. You know, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. I didn't get that line right, but I forget what he said. Oh, shit. I wish I had better, but I don't. No, but, but, that, but that like, got the gist is yeah. so true. And I actually, mm-hmm. it's funny because I watched your work and I've watched all the stuff you've been putting out there and developing and offering in the last about four years so almost. And mm-hmm. and I always thought, thought the same thing. I was like, gosh, he doesn't know how good he is. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I also, I didn't say that to like, I know that sounds like a gloating thing, but no, I mean, I, not, the reason no. I'm sharing that is because I think it's true of all of us. And yeah. that's why I'm sharing, yeah. you know, yeah, really I do. Yeah. Even those of, you know, those people who I maybe don't want that to think it's true because I don't like them or something, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, cause I've got my hangups. Uh, but yeah, no, for the most part, I'm still always about just inclusiveness and love and movement. And people yeah. finding their potential inside of it, yeah. you know, and their potential for all, all things. That's the other point I want to make. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not talking about potential. Movement. I don't care about people developing their, you know, their movement sensibilities. I care about people like 
developing themselves as expressive human beings, you know, in whatever capacity that like, whatever that means for them, however they choose to show it, you know, through what have you building picnic tables, who knows? Whatever lights them up. Yeah. Whatever lights them up. (laughs) Well, Nick, this was so fantastic. Thank you for taking the time for being with us today. If any of our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place to do it? Probably my website, although that almost feels antiquated right now. Uh, Yeah, but if you go to Grace and Movement, movementwithoutanyvowels.com, that's a great way to connect with me. Or if people want to uh, reach me directly, I do uh, reply to emails. So you can reach me at nick at graceandmovement.com. So grace, G-R-A-C-E, N-I-N, movement, M-V-M-N-T.com. Perfect. All right. And I'll be or they sure can even to, call me. Yeah, I'll be sure to include all that in the show notes um, so people can go ahead and go directly. All Great. Right. Well, thank you so much. And Of course, Marie. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.